Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. But um, we're here, if, you, if you've been here for a while, you know that I've been ministering on the Sermon on the Mount, and um, the heart in it, the key in it that Jesus is talking to his followers about here is this pursuit of living out a kingdom lifestyle the lifestyle that he's called us to live out. So we're going to dig in Matthew chapter 5, and uh, I want to kind of uh, do a little a little breakdown for you real quick here in case you've missed some. But when you start, he starts this sermon here in 5 and verse 1, and uh, <clears throat> just some key things. Uh, the eight Beatitudes in verses uh, 1 through 12, and uh, I took several Wednesday nights and broke those down and defined those. And then, uh, and then two Sundays ago, we got into verses 13 through 16, uh, where he talked to us about maintaining our saltiness and our flame, our fire, our light, and, uh, and calling us into that, to, to, to that lifestyle in order to live out these beatitudes. And then here in verse 21, uh, where we're going to pick up today, from, from verse 21 to 48, Jesus gives six six warnings or temptations to resist as we pursue living out the kingdom lifestyle. So in other words, he's equipping his church. He's equipping us as his followers. It's it's the it's an absolute masterpiece sermon chapter 5, 6, and 7, all put together, how he breaks it down. And so he's giving us this, and so he starts with the Beatitudes, and he says, okay, here's the, here's the lifestyle, here's, your, here's the blueprint that I want you living in as my sons and daughters. And then he says the result of that is, is you're going to partner with me, and you're going to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So you got the lifestyle, the result of living out that lifestyle. And then, again, in verse 21, then Jesus goes into giving these, the, the battle. It's like, okay, here's how I want you to live. Here's what's going to happen as you live that way. Here's the result. And then here's some things you're going to have to fight against. To, to maintain your fire, maintain your flame, maintain your saltiness. And so it's so beautiful. He's like, you're going you're gonna to have to resist these things in order to maintain your saltiness, your fire, to live out these beatitudes. So, um, so he has these six temptations that he gives us the warning to make sure that we're resisting. Um, I did the last five of those on Wednesday nights. I just finished them. Uh, the first one that he gives... As I was studying for that on a Wednesday night, I just strongly felt the uh, Holy Spirit prompting me to hold back on that one and to release it in here on a Sunday morning, which is why we're here today. So I went to the second, went on down, but here, here's the other. I'm just going to give these to you real quick if you want to write them down. So today we're going to hit the first one. And it's going to be in verse 21 through 26. The second temptation that he gives in there is to resist the temptation of immorality. It talks about adultery, but it's way beyond adultery. When you really dig into it, it is resisting the temptation of immorality, uh, verses 27 through 30. The third temptation is to resist the temptation of not honoring the marriage covenant, and that's in verses 31 to 32. 
Um, the fourth temptation was to resist the temptation of making false commitments, verse 33 to 37. Remember that? That's where he says, hey, make sure that it, let, let your yes be yes and let your no be no, right? Teaching us the power of our, of our word and our character. And then um, the, the fifth temptation, he says, resist the temptation of retaliation and defensiveness. This one is so powerful. And it's in verses 38 through 42. And he gives three illustrations in in that area. Uh, So beautiful. And then the sixth temptation that he gives us is to resist the temptation of passively loving your enemies. He says, don't do it passively, do it passionately. And that is in verse uh, 43 through 48. So again, it's just so beautiful. Chapter 5 is broken down in these three sections. Here's the lifestyle. Here's the result of it. And then here's things that you're going to have to watch out for because every one of you are going to face them. Okay? And then so I'm going to back up then and hit back on this first temptation that Jesus gives and uh, uh, here. And it's beginning in verse 21. Will you read it with me? Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. Again, this now he's starting these six temptations. Here's the first one. So Matthew 5 and 21. Let's dig in. You have heard that it was said to those of old that you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. Amen. So there's a whole lot here to, to, uh, uh, for us to unpack. And so this first temptation that he gives here is to resist the temptation of allowing anger to manifest. The key word there is manifest. And and again, verse 21 through 26. So that's what we're going to be looking at today is this issue of anger. I believe Jesus did everything on purpose. And I believe he did everything in order. I don't think order always represents value. I believe everything that he said had value and equal value. But I believe that he said things on purpose and in order for a reason. It's always struck me how Jesus says, blessed are, blessed are, here's this lifestyle. I'm going to use you to impact the world. You're going to be salt. You're going to be light. But he's like, it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to maintain that. Remember a couple weeks ago I taught about not letting your light go out, but that wasn't light the way that we know it. It was an oil lamp. It was an oil lamp that had to be lit. It was fire. So what, what he was saying is, is don't let anything over you that will put the fire out inside of you. You tracking me? Like it gives a whole different grip to it when you see it that way. 
And so, so, so he, then he goes into these things, these temptations, and it, it just, it strikes me how the first, the first thing Jesus addresses that, that will, that will face and will be a struggle for us of, of maintaining that fire is this issue of, of anger. Amen. So let's dig in. I'll come back and explain this a little bit, but the revelation that Jesus gives us in this passage is that anger is the beginning of murder. What we lack is an understanding of what murder means, but this scripture in context, he gives the revelation to his followers that anger is the beginning of murder. So he's exposing the dangerous nature of murder and how even in its subtle forms, it's beginning forms in, in anger and how when it's not resisted and walked through rightly, it literally touches every area, every area of our life. Amen. So let's let's look at a couple of things. I want you to I want you to dig deep into this scripture and see see what the Lord is saying to each and every one of us. But here in verse twenty one, at the beginning of this this first uh, temptation to resist, <clears throat> Jesus references the 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 sixth of the ten commandments in Exodus twenty and thirteen. That 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 sixth commandment of Thou shalt not murder. Now. This is what we need to understand to really fully grasp what Jesus is talking to his followers about here. Because the Pharisees, the Pharisees' approach to this commandment was so, it was so limited because all they were concerned about was the physical act of murder. Okay, uh, sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder. I cannot, I can't kill anyone. So that was their focal point and 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 not getting in trouble before man in the court of law. So their thought on this then was if I didn't actually kill someone physically, then, then they kept the commandment, right? And they, were, and they were okay. Well, Jesus says to his followers here in this Sermon on the Mount, in this first warning, he says to his followers, that is, that is a way too narrow of a view that the Pharisees had. Murder has many dimensions to it, and it grows like cancer, it has many stages and many expressions. It begins with anger and bitterness, and they are the opposite of the beatitudes that he called us to live this lifestyle. So they're, they're again, they're, they're the exact opposite of the kingdom lifestyle and being salt and being light. And then, and then this, I feel like we have to catch. He goes on in verse 22 uh, then and and develops what murder really is, and he and this is where he anchors murder, the spirit of murder, in a foundation of anger. This is intense. Like this is this is intense vocabulary that Jesus is using here, isn't it? And I and it's because he knows that when we hear the word anger, we're, we're quick to justify it. Because of an injustice, or because because of a, a, a our, our personality, right? Uh, how many of you ever heard someone just say, "Well, I'm just a hothead," or "I just I'm one of those people that have a short fuse," or "I'm Irish," <laughs> or, 
or I'm a redhead. Supposedly redheads are supposed to have short fuses. I don't know. Thank the Lord I was raised in a really gentle home. So, But so we, get, we grab these things. Sometimes these are things people lock on to and, and, and we can kind of begin to fit into these excuses, these categories. But Jesus knows our temperaments and personalities. He knew the temperaments and personalities of all of his followers. And then so here we step into this and it's like when you really look at it, for all of us, we, 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 we have put away the old man and become new creations in Christ, right? Right? We're called to no longer walk under the, the fullness or the influence of our flesh, but under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Like this is where we step into as believers. So when we come to Christ and we're growing in Christ and we're changing, we're, we're, we're changing our old nature, our old ways, our old, some of even our, those things that, that, that have manifested in us and different personality things, they begin to shift. The scripture says the works of the flesh are hatred. So we've got to ask, our, when we feel these things, we've got to identify. Again, he's not talking to the world, guys. He's talking to the church. He's talking to us. Every one of us struggle with this in some way. We all feel the emotion of anger. We'll all continue to feel the emotion of anger. This world gets messy and relationships gets messy and life is messy. Marriage is messy. Raising children is messy. Having siblings is messy. Come on. And so, so learning to identify and hear the heart of what Jesus is talking about and then what the scripture says that, that the works of the flesh are hatred, it's contentions, it's jealousies, it's outbursts of wrath, it's dissensions. And it uses the word murders because murder goes way beyond and, and is much wider than just the, the flesh. And that's Galatians 5 and 20 and 21. But then we also know it comes right back and it says, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, when we're under the Holy Spirit's influence, that it is it's love and it's joy and it's peace and it's long-suffering and it's kindness and it's goodness and it's faithfulness and it's gentleness and ultimately it's self-control. It's Galatians 5 and 22 and 24. And this is so important because we're going to feel these emotions. I love my wife to death. She is absolutely amazing. But her and I still will feel these emotions at times with one another. I love Pastor Jason. I honor him. And we work close together. And there's going to be times where we're going to feel these emotions of frustration or whatever it is. And I've got to recognize in that moment, am I feeling my, am I feeling my flesh right now? Am I feeling my flesh? Am I feeling contentious? Am I feeling an outburst of, of wrath or dissension or whatever that is? Or am I feeling the fruit of the Holy Spirit? So here in Matthew in chapter 5, this very first temptation or warning that Jesus gives us is so powerful. And he's, he, he, Jesus is saying, listen, we've got to learn to resist the anger. You're going to feel it, but don't let it go unchecked. And then he goes in and he begins to give us some greater instruction in this. So now Jesus talks about the progression of anger. And this is an important part of this passage I feel like sometimes we, we skip over and miss as the church. And it's in, it's in verse 22. And I won't read all of it. I'll quote what, what Jesus says here in verse 22. He says, he says, whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. Danger before the court of man. 
But then he says, but whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hell fire. That sounds pretty serious. So think about this for a minute. Maybe you don't even have dug in and seen what these things really mean. But raka, that word raka, was a familiar term in their society. And it meant, in our terms today, it meant, I'm saying this so that you'll know, it meant you idiot. So when they were saying raka, raka to someone, they were calling them that. Okay, and again, they understood that term. But when they said fool, okay, and in that, you, in Raqqa, you would be in judgment of man, of counsel. And, but then if you said fool, fool was even a stronger insult for the Hebrew society. It was, it was a curse word in the Hebrew society. It had a meaning of being a reprobate, okay? So it was a, it was a strong insult with content in it and scorn towards the other person. So here's what Jesus is talking about right here in verse 22. He's saying, he's saying if you're ha- when, when, when you're having these recurring negative emotions toward the same person over and over, right? You, 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 you don't wanna make eye contact with them, you don't want to be in the same room with them. This is what Jesus is saying. You're going to go through these things. These emotions are going to come in. And he's saying, take notice when it does because anger is beginning to go to the next stage. Yeah. Anger is beginning to go to the next stage. When it begins to be focused on a particular individual in a repetitive way that won't go away, he says, take note. It's going to Go to the next level if it's unchecked, especially when you begin to verbalize it. So that's what he's saying. He starts with defining what anger is in the spirit of murder and the dangers in that, and then he goes in and then he begins to talk about the progression of that, and then especially when it when we begin to to verbalize it. So, and and, and because when when it moves from just a preoccupation of a negative emotion towards someone, then then when you begin to verbalize your scorn, your disgust, and your feelings towards that person, it, it will escalate when you say it with your mouth. Amen. It will escalate when you say it with your mouth. So So grab this. Jesus isn't saying here that you're going to hell for calling someone a fool one time. He's saying, watch out where this thing is going because anger unchecked and not dealt with is going to escalate. It'll have, it'll have dangerous effects inside of you and will cause you trouble in your own soul. It'll cause trouble in the courts of man, he said, and it'll cause trouble in the courts of God. Come on. And then in verse 23 and 24, Jesus reveals that anger will only become harder to deal with over time. And I want want you to look at these verses and read them with me again. Look at verse 23 and 24. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Let's, let's, let's just talk about this for just a second. 
in verse, in verse 23, the first word is the word therefore. The word therefore, anytime you see the word therefore in scripture, it's really important. It means therefore. It means therefore what I just said, this needs to happen. Or here's this warning, therefore, because it, and then here, especially, because we, we've had a hard time understanding the full meaning of these verses here in verse 21 through 26, but that word therefore is so important here because it links the commandment to go and find the brother who has something against you back to the person who spoke the angry words in verse 23. So it links, that person links the two things together. So he's, he's like, so he's saying, if you've spoken angry words to someone, if you've, if you've, if you've called someone raka, if you've called them a fool, if, you, if you've insulted someone with a word, he, he says, if you've spoken angry words to someone and you know that they're troubled by them, Jesus says, go fix it. He says, humble yourself and go repent to your brother. Now look, if you read verse 23 as it stands, isolated from verse 22, you get the idea that if anyone is bothered by you, that you need to, you need to, to go have a personal meeting with them before you worship. That's why that word therefore is really important. Because ultimately that's not what he's saying and it's really impossible. And even if you think of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus' words offended people. People were bothered by him. It's not a bad idea. Here he's talking specific in this area about hurtful, wor- or hurtful words that have been spoken. There's other places in the scripture where Jesus talks about that where if you, if you uh, have ought against your brother, then you go to them. In the end, he covers both ends and says, I want people healed. But in this particular passage right here, he's talking, he's, ta- he's being very specific, amen? Uh, and so he, he's saying, it's when you know that you've spoken out of anger and those words wounded your brother, Jesus says, go make it right. Go make it right. And look at verse 25 and 26. Jesus gives this illustration and um, and, and I, I, we need to notice the, the urgency that's in it. And Jesus says, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to just paraphrase those, these verses, but this is such an important part because now he starts to kind of give some direction and some illustration. So, so Jesus is like, okay, guys, here's the deal. The guy, the guy you didn't pay back is going to go to the judge then. And the judge is going to go find an officer of the court. And <clears throat> the officer is going, to, is going to come and get you and make you pay. And if you don't pay, then you're going to be put in prison. And you won't get out until you've paid every penny. This is what Jesus is telling them. This is going to be the progression of it. And so paying it off is just going to become more difficult and more complicated. 
It's just going to become more difficult and more complicated. So Jesus is still, he's still talking about anger. The core heart of what Jesus is saying here in this first temptation to resist, he's talking about how we handle that emotion of anger when we, when we feel it and, and how murder begins of the heart. So he's saying in this illustration, if, if, if you in your anger have injured another person or you have unsettled anger in your heart before before things escalate and become more complicated, go quickly and resolve it and settle it now. Settle it now with urgency. Because if you don't, it's, it's not going anywhere and, it, and it's only going to grow. Here's a key. This is Jesus, Jesus telling us that time, time never heals anger and bitterness. It just won't. Matter of fact, the longer that you hang on to it, you'll get angry about more things and oftentimes even forget what you was initially angry about. But it will continue, it will continue to grow. It'll, it'll, it'll just smolder. And so Jesus is telling us so graciously, graciously this first temptation that he tells us to, to walk in, to deal with it quickly. Now, Again, he's not rebuking his disciples. He's empowering them. It's important to see that. He's not rebuking them. He's empowering them. He, he's explaining as the gracious shepherd that, that, that he is the nature and the danger of anger in our lives. Again, it's the first temptation that he tells us to resist here in the Sermon on the Mount. And he's saying, I want you, I want you liberated and I want, I want to, the, to the very full degree, but you have to deal with anger to the very last cent. That's one of the last things he said in there is that you'll, you'll have to, in the end, you'll have to deal with it to the very last cent. So he's like, so just go quickly, deal with that unresolved anger that's in your heart. Amen? And in all of this, even as you break down the, the eight beatitudes and being salt and light and then the, these temptations or warnings that Jesus gives us to resist because he knows we're all going to face them. And then, and then right after this, uh, I'm going to begin to teach on, he gives uh, uh, five kingdom um, uh, disciplines for us to engage in that will empower us. But all of this, all of this is about him leading us to live out a kingdom lifestyle, to truly be his disciples and reflect him in everything that we do. This is his heart. This is his heart. We all need this because we all fall short in this. Like every, this is, this is he, he knew every one of us needed this first temptation to, to become a warning, to highlight it in our hearts and help us walk it out. He's so good. He's so good. Amen. Okay, I want to, uh, I'm going to come back there, so hold your place in Matthew 5. Everybody okay? And I want, you to, I want you to read something with me in Hebrews, in chapter 11. I'll give you just a moment to uh, turn there to that, but I want you to go to, to Hebrews in um, chapter 12.
You got it? Okay. Hebrews chapter 12, and I, 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 let's go to verse 11. Yeah, yeah I, th- I want to start there. Verse 11. All right, and just follow along with me here. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. And we all say amen, but it's painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Isn't that a powerful verse? Verse 12. Now, now listen to this. Therefore, strengthen the hands Did you catch that? The word therefore? So this is being established on those previous verses. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when uh, he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Okay, okay, I would like to break that last verse down a little bit more, but I won't have time to today. So I want to I want to just hit this real quick because this is this taps along with it uh, the the link between bitterness and anger the link between bitterness and anger so often we have a we we have a wound we have a wound something that happened that causes a wound or that causes an offense when we allow it to remain it will begin to turn into bitterness and then bitterness will turn into anger. So think about this. Bitterness is anger maturing. It's why it's so dangerous and that's why this warning here in Hebrews is so powerful that when we're feeling, when we're feeling that bitterness, that, that's not a light thing. It's not just my feelings are hurt or this or that. When that bitterness begins to remain in us and cause root, it is anger maturing. All right. So this is one of the most here in, in Hebrews. This is one of the most insightful passages of Scripture on the on the danger uh, of anger and bitterness. And so again, it's it's linked back to verse verse ten and eleven in here, and 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 where chastening, where he says chastening and correction is good. It's good. He says it's painful but it yields the fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And then, and then verse 12, therefore, therefore, strengthen the hands that hang down. Make, straight, make a straight path so that whatever is already lame, wherever you're already wounded, make a straight path. Do these things so that whatever is lame, so that it won't become dislocated, so that it won't get any worse, but that it'll be healed. I mean, he gives us such clear, beautiful, powerful instructions on how to handle the issues that's in our heart. So he says, he says, so pursue peace with all men out of holiness. What's that mean? According to God's word, through the eight Beatitudes. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And then in verse 15, he talks about bitterness, uh, anger, maturing. And, and, he, and he, says, he says, look carefully, look diligently, because it's, it's subtle. Matter of fact, you won't always see your own anger and bitterness easily. Others will see it in you. And you can, we can often detect it in others, but often we easily dismiss it when we don't see it within ourselves. So then we just kind of come back and stand on this notion that, well, I'm just annoyed or I'm just frustrated or I'm just tired or whatever things pop up. So, 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 so he says, look carefully. Jesus is given this powerful warning. He said, look carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. What's he saying there? What's he saying there? Because he isn't saying that, 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 that you're not going to go to heaven. But he's saying you're not going to have a vibrant heart. You're not going to have a vibrant spirit. You're not going to be swimming in the blessed. Blessed are, blessed are all the eight beatitudes of the fullness of him. You're gonna, you're gonna, the result is, is that you're going to have a dull and defiled spirit if it's left unchecked. This is the heart of what Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount in this first warning as he says, here's the lifestyle that I'm calling you into, these eight Beatitudes. And we've already established early on in the sermon that this is not an easy uh, uh, lifestyle. It, it'll cost you, Crystal, every ounce of your flesh. Your flesh will want to act in flesh, and, and, and we'll, we'll be able to justify it. This, this kingdom lifestyle he has called us into, to not just say that we're something, but to truly reflect the glory of God, to truly be salty and remain salty, and for our flame to not just be flickering or, or, or smoking, but to be bright. He's like, here's the lifestyle, man, and you're going to impact the world. I'm going to change the nations and the people around you. I'm going to influence the world through you. You're the vessel. You're the avenue. You're my, I don't have a plan B. I've only got plan A, and you're it for me changing the world. That's what Jesus was saying in being the salt and light. And then he's saying, and you know what? I know you. I know my people. I know what I planned for you, but you guys are going to struggle. And the first thing that he gives us is dealing with bitterness and dealing with anger. Because, and, and isn't, it, isn't, it, isn't it amazing, actually, through all of the New Testament, what the, what the, the, the greatest subject that Jesus teaches about is relationships. Yeah. It really is. Because of one, how important that it is. And then number two, because he knew how difficult it would be for us. And it's like Jesus is saying in this first warning, you're going to have to begin to recognize that motion when you feel it, that emotion of anger. You've got to recognize it really quick. You've got to recognize the definition of the flesh in Galatians 5 and recognize the fruit of the Spirit, recognize when it's not the fruit and crucify the flesh right there so that it doesn't have room to grow. Amen? This thing of, of, of bitterness, and he just kind of walks us down through here a little bit. So good. Again, the result of allowing that to continue to grow in us is bitterness, which is going to end up with, with, with us having a dull, a dull spirit. The way that anger works is that is, is at, at this developed stage of bitterness, 
is that there's a root system that we don't often see. And it, it, it influences our mindset, it, it, it inf- the way that we think, it influences our emotions, it, it, influence our, it influences our decision-making process, it, it, it influences how we're seeing things whenever we begin to allow this to mature in us. And eventually springs up and manifests in your words and in your actions, which was Jesus' greatest warning right here in this first temptations with, with in using those two words as, as an illustration. Again, this is one of the, one of the strongest statements in the passage, re, passage regarding anger and bitterness, and it, it's in the end of verse 15. And I, I just wanted you guys to catch this because, again, man, in this topic, he doesn't, he doesn't make it light. He, he, he drops it heavy. But in, the, in verse 15, he says, he says he's talking about, uh, about letting, letting anger and bitterness remain in us. He says, it will, call, it will cause trouble and, and many will become defiled. It will cause trouble and, 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 will be, and, and, and many will become defiled. In other words, it doesn't just defile you, it defiles the people around you. Come on. It won't just defile you in your home, it'll defile your whole family. Everyone will feel it. You're, and, then, and then your friends will feel it. And your church will feel it. And your coworkers will feel it. That's a powerful, powerful thing. It doesn't just defile you. It defiles people around you. And anger that has grown to bitterness makes a wide path of description. So, and then, and then the ultimate danger is that anger grown into bitterness can eventually turn into hatred. And John says in, John, in 1 John 3, 15, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. There's that word again. It's not, it's not, it's not that they're killing someone in the flesh, but yet that hatred is still recognized as murder because it's the, anger is the spirit of murder. Amen. Jesus, Matthew chapter 5. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. This is serious. This isn't a fun sermon, is it? This is serious. So let's go back to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. We need to pay real close attention to this. When we get down into verses, verses uh, uh, 23 and 24 here, Jesus says, here's the answer, guys. Here's the answer. He says, leave your gift at the altar. Okay. Watch your gift. What's our gift? What's he saying? Leave your gift at the altar. What's he saying? What's he saying? Your gift is your expression of love. When you've come to the altar to, 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 to express your love, to express your worship, when you've come to express your uh, service, when you've come to express your ministry, when, when you've come to <clears throat> express your tithe, Jesus says, go repent. And go ask forgiveness from the person that you hurt with an insult, with that word, when you know you spoke a word that insulted them, that hurt them, and do it now. It's powerful to think about. He's like, okay, leave that, leave that worship right there. Leave, leave your tithe right there. Leave your, leave your ministry, your, your service right there. And then go, go, go take responsibility for the words that you spoke to that person and ask their forgiveness. He's, and, and think about this for a minute, because this is huge. He's saying your relationship with people 
is directly connected to your worship of me. That's a strong statement. I'm going to repeat it. This is the heart of what Jesus is saying here. He's saying your relationship with people is directly connected to your worship of me. So I don't want you to move forward in worship until you go get this solved on your part. So leave your gift here, go in humility, apologize, and ask forgiveness. And he he, he tells them to do this, and there's the utmost urgency in it. That's why he says, leave it here, stop right now, don't go any further, don't take another step. Go and do it, get this resolved in your heart. Get this resolved, get this resolved so that there's nothing standing. Get this, this is over you, and and it's, and it's, it's, it's beginning to snuff out that flame and that fire. It's gonna put that fire out. Get it off of you right now, and then come back. Come back and worship me. It's a powerful thing. I think there's progression in it. Because I think repentance Personal repentance often would come even before we went and did that because we have to recognize that we said something wrong. So when, when, he, when he says, when he says, when you come to the altar and bring your gift, your repentance isn't your gift, it's his gift. Sure. That you get to repent and that he'll forgive you. Our gift is our expression of love, it's our service, it's what we have to give to the Lord. So I think the ultimate expression when we know these things have happened within each and every one of us is that we, 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 we fall at the altar, we fall before his feet in humility with the heart of repentance, recognized within each and one of us, Lord, forgive me, forgive me for saying what I said. Forgive me, Lord, for the word. Forgive me for not reflecting your love. Forgive me for not reflecting your character, God. Amen? And then as we would then normally begin to rise up and express our love then and our worship, Jesus says, okay, now, hold on, leave that there. We're good. We're good. Now go get good with your brother. Just leave this here for a minute. It's It's a matter of urgency. And go forgive. Go repent. Go take responsibility, amen? Do everything that you can on your part to reconcile with man. And then you come back with a pure heart, the beatitude, and he says, when you have a pure heart, you know what's gonna happen? You know what Jesus promises you? He says, if you have a pure heart, if you'll live that way, you're gonna see him. Blessed are the pure in heart for... This is important link to a big reason why a lot of the church today isn't seeing God. Yes. They're living off what, where they've seen him before. They are living off of where they've experienced him before. But we're not truly seeing fresh revelation and encountering him in fresh and new ways right now because we've accepted the lie from the enemy that our bitterness and our anger isn't murder. And ultimately, it's killing us inside. This is probably the least fun sermon I've ever preached in my life. (laughs) I love Jesus' sermons, man. This is good for us. Jesus set a pathway for us to be whole. He set a pathway for us to be healed. 
there's nothing in our current life or in our past that locks anger or bitterness in us. He's greater than. It doesn't matter, Pastor Jay said, what kind of home that you were raised in, whether you were abused as a child or anger was often expressed and that, just, that was just a normal thing for you or whatever because the whole Sermon on the Mount isn't Jesus calling you to your old lifestyle but calling you to your new lifestyle. Doesn't matter where we've been hurt in the past. Jesus is healing, restored. He makes all things new. It's just a matter of us surrendering it to him and locking eyes on him. And then even as we lock eyes on him, we're still running with people all around us. But I tell you what, when we live this lifestyle and our eyes are locked on him, I can run with Dawn even though that Dawn, even though I might know that Dawn isn't everywhere where she needs to be in her walk with the Lord. But the thing is, I'm going to lock eyes with the Lord and I'm going to lock eyes on him. And as I honor the Lord, I'm going to honor Dawn and I'm going to begin to pray into her and for her and walk with her and hold her up, knowing that as she's locked eyes with God, those areas in her life that need to be strengthened, she, he's, going to, he's, going to, he's going to raise her up in those areas of her life. It's why I love that scripture that I just read to you about about um, where uh, about what, what what was it if you're if you're when you're where your knees are feeble whatever strengthen them strengthen your hands make your way past because if you don't then then what is feeble now will become lame if it's not taken care of. And so it's like this lifestyle that he's called us into of honor and loving and serving. And we do it. I feel like we do it to the very best of our ability, right? And then even in that, at times, we have good intentions. We still fall short in it. We still hurt one another. We still let one another down. And then it's yet, there's this, so there's this constant growing and maturing of, of repentance and humility and loving one another above, above your fault, above my fault, above our misunderstanding, above anything that's happening. Like we choose God, we choose the kingdom, we choose heaven on earth, we choose his glory. We choose seeing God, we choose encountering him. Blessed are the pure in heart. But then you have to go back and listen to that class because being pure at heart, man, that's really wide. There's a lot of things entailed into that. And it's like, Lord, help us walk this thing out. Help us walk this thing out as a congregation, God. Help us walk this thing out as individual sons and daughters. Lord, help us walk this out in our homes. Like, help us walk this out before our children. Let our children be raised in, 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 in such a culture where they can see us living out Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 20, whatever, wherever we're at. All of it. The Sermon on the Mount. Help us, God. Help us step into it. Help us be grace, gracious with one another. Help us if we're on the, the receiving end of that apology that we receive it truly and get behind each other and back one another. Because I almost guarantee you're probably going to be the, on the other end of it at some point in time. It's just the circle of life with each and every one of us. Isn't this powerful? Yeah. Something, something hits every one of us. None of us ever had to teach our children to be angry. 
Did you? They learn on their own to get mad real quick. When do they often get mad? Hold that thought. (laughs) Hold that thought. Isn't God good? I want to encourage you with something. I love this. I love this sermon on the mount. I've preached it. I've walked through it. But never has the Sermon on the Mount struck me like it's striking me right now. I challenge this church to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 with a fresh eye every day for 30 days through October. I'm going to challenge you to continue reading it every day through November. Because as he continues to reveal and the things that he's, he's opened up, and if you miss some of the classes, you go back and listen to them, but it's just going to continue to develop inside of you. So I, 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 this is just where the Lord has us at. We're not going to be able to touch all of it together, but he is so good. The Holy Spirit's the best teacher you'll ever have if you're open to him. And so I encourage you to dig in to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Begin to read it every day. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, close with this. Um, <clears throat> this first temptation, it's like Jesus is saying... Declare war on anger in your life because you're going to feel the emotion. You're going to feel the emotion. You're going to feel it. He says, declare war on anger. Be intentional in walking out these beatitudes, man. Be extremely intentional in it. We will we'll never in this age be free where we don't have an angry thought or an angry emotion. But if we declare war on it, we can have a vibrant heart. If we can declare, when we can recognize that what's beginning to be produced in us is the flesh and not the spirit, we've got to declare war on it right there, right there. You stop it, right? And if we, with honesty and humility, call it what it is every time, deal with it quickly within our own hearts, and then go resolve it with whoever we hurt or with whoever hurt us, amen, we're going to walk healthy, it says in Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 31 and 32, it says, Let all bitterness with wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another and be tenderhearted, forgiving one another even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Jesus, help us walk that out. Help us walk that out. You go down through some of those other temptations. And again, he talked about, about, about uh, resisting the temptation to retaliate, um, resisting the temptation to be defensive. Like all these things, man, he's like, man, it's, it's all aimed towards us. It's all aimed towards us and what's inside of each and every one of our heart, that it be pure so that we can see God, that we can encounter God, that we can live in the fullness of his blessing and have a vibrant heart. Amen. So along with reading uh, this sermon every day, uh, Lord put on my heart to start praying over myself. Romans chapter 12, one and two. How we handle our hurt, how we handle our pain is absolutely critical to how 
and directly related to our relationship with the Lord and our worship to Him. So I want to I want to pray this I want to pray this prayer over all of us in just a moment. And this may be difficult to respond to, but I'm going to be obedient to the Lord and give the invitation for it. And then I'm going to pray over all of us because all of us, all of us need this message. But I'm going to have, I'm going to have some leaders come down here. If the, if the elders and some of the pastors and leaders just want to come down here and stand and, um, and then I'm just going to give, I'm going to give you the invitation of, uh, if, if you're in a situation right now in your life where you need to release pain, where you've, you have been feeling and struggling with that emotion of, of, of bitterness, that's anger maturing over a, over an offense, a situation that happened in your life and it just seems to not be going away, then I'm going to give you an invitation as Craig plays and sing something here to come and let, let the leaders come in agreement with you in those things and just pray for your heart. And then, and then in, in, or if you want to come and pray and release something in private, then you can just come and kneel down at the altar then I want to I want to just open that invitation up to you right now, and then uh, and then I want to pray, I want to pray this Romans twelve one and two over all of us in a moment as we finish. So, anyways, if you feel the Holy Spirit moving on your heart, I invite you to come, and I invite you to release these things to the Lord. You can come, and these leaders of prayer, you can come and pray on your own. Lord, together, we say, I present my body to you today, my mind, my will, my emotions, as a living sacrifice. Lord, help me live holy and acceptable in your sight. I will not be conformed by this world. Lord, transform me by the renewing of my mind. Lord, I present my body to you today. Today, this morning, I give it to you, my mind, my will, my emotions. I present it to you as a living sacrifice. Lord, help me. Help me live holy and acceptable in your sight today, God. I pray that I will not be conformed by this world, by my flesh, by the things around me. Lord, transform me by the renewing of my mind. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray for Janet and Glenn. We pray for the family. We pray for Bob. If he's not already in your arms, Lord, if he's not already with you, we just pray, God, that you just fill that place, that room where he's at with your glory. Let there be peace that surpasses understanding. Just flood the family's heart. We just pray your love and compassion over them in the days and weeks and time to come. And we just bless them. We pray for Shannon and Glenn as well. God, that you be with them and that you bring them back home safely and all the family. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your instruction. And we pray, Lord, help us to walk out this sermon rightly. Help us to resist the temptation to allow anger to have a place. 
to manifest in each one of us, Lord. We ask your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you. Bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time, 